Good morning, Faith Promise. You guys, was that not an awesome prayer time? Come on, man. Give, God is moving all of our campuses. I love this time, which we call a month of miracles. Now, we pray that God moves every weekend corporately at every campus. Then every night of the week is our hundreds of adult groups meet and our student groups meet. And, and individually, we just look for God to move and heal and save because that's the kind of God that we serve. And we have stacks of stories over the last several years of jobs and restorations and miracles and provisions and healings and prodigals coming home. And, and it's just amazing. Now, we believe that, that God moves because we're believing God to move. You know, it's easy, it, it's, it's easy to believe for others, like I said, but it's hard to believe for yourself. The book of Isaiah, God said, if you don't believe it, then I won't do it. And so we all have a factor of faith that we need to walk in. Would you all agree with that? And so we're, we're believing for not just other people, but for you. And again, I shared last weekend as I was praying about this series and the offering and all that kind of stuff, Lord, I don't understand. Why, why is it that some people can't sacrifice? Why is it some people don't participate? What is the deal? And what the Lord spoke to me was this, that faith, the faith walk is uncomfortable. I mean, we just saying, Lord, lead me to a, a trust without borders. Lord, help me walk upon the waters. And we sing those songs, but my question is, do we actually think about and believe those songs? Because the fact is, none of us really want to live where we have to have God move. Do, do you want money in the bank? You want food in the pantry? We don't want problems. See, every miracle is an answer to a problem. But we don't want to have problems. So in reality, we really don't want to walk by faith. We want to walk by sight. The problem is that the Bible says, without faith, it's impossible to, believe, uh, to please God. Romans 8, 8 says, those that walk in the flesh cannot please God. And walking in the flesh is opposite to walking in the Spirit and walking by faith. And because we are natural, and that's our response to move away from faith, not to faith, it's our natural reaction not to believe God not to believe God, it creates in our minds stinking thinking. And nobody ever expanded their borders with stinking thinking. Stinking thinking is a self-imposed prison. No visible bars, but borders nonetheless. Do y'all believe that God loves to bless his children? Do you believe that God loves to blow out borders? Y'all believe that? That God loves to blow out people's borders? See, that's this. If, if you don't, you've never read the Bible. Because this book is all about borders that were blown out by God. Now, I'm going to tell you, honestly, I never believed I would, I never dreamed that Michelle and I would be where we are today. We were youth pastors, or then, even as, as I was a senior pastor, we were leading that little church in South Louisiana, 25 people making $16,000 a year. No money, no insurance, no retirement, no nothing, little bitty building, 25 adults, I, I want to promise you, when I was there, I didn't see this. I, I, when Faith Promise started, the people that, uh, that helped launch this church didn't see seven campuses and 5,000 people. They just didn't see that because it's hard to see that far in advance. What the deal is, is we've got to walk by faith, walking through the doors. God opens, right? God opens the door. We step in. We, uh, we grow in our faith. He opens another one. We step through it, and we step through it. And we look back and say, all I can see is God. All I can see is how God brought me, how God provided, how God opened up doors, all that God has done. Does that make sense? And then we look back at a life of the miraculous, a life of faith, a life that God honored and, and, a, and a life that honored God. Now, uh, we, we have a problem at Faith Promise, and I'm going to share what it is because I believe we ought to just be real and 
raw and transparent. And this is the deal, that, that God has called us to a great work. Do y'all believe that? Do you believe God's called us to a great ministry to make it hard to go to hell from East Tennessee, to rock the world right here in these Smoky Mountains starting right here? Well, the problem is that we live in the Appalachian region. And I was having lunch with one of our elders, Keith Gray, a, a cancer surgeon, and, and I was talking with Keith, and I was talking about where we were financially and the budget and what God had called us to do, and I was asking his counsel, and I was talking with him. And Keith said, Pastor, you don't realize where you're at. I said, well, where, where am I at? He said, you are in the poorest region in the United States of America. I said, that's not possible. I left that in Louisiana. I mean, that's poor. That, he said, no, 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 no. The poorest region in the United States is the Appalachian region. Lowest education, worst health, worst stats. It is horrible. Now, you live in Farragut, and you say, I don't see that, and you won't. Man, you can live in Sequoia Hills. If you do, I need to know you. But, but you can, you know, you can live in West Knoxville. You can live in places in East Tennessee and say, well, you're talking about poverty, but get in your car and drive 15 minutes, and you will find abject poverty. So here we are in the lowest, in the lowest economic region in the United States of America with, with the bulk, well, I'm talking about a huge percentage of our population that is generation after generation of government dependence, welfare, subsidy, of, of lifestyle and income and all that kind of stuff. And let me tell you, when someone grows up that, because that's what I grew up in. I grew up in the projects on 4th Avenue in East Lake in Chattanooga, Tennessee. When you grow up in that, let me tell you one thing. You don't ever believe you'll leave it. You believe that you're stuck right there where you are because none of your friends ever got out, and so you don't think you'll ever leave the projects. You don't think God will ever bless your life. You don't ever think you'll have an upward economic trend. You don't ever think God can use you. You don't ever, you don't ever do that. And so because we live in the Appalachian region, instead of living a life of faith without borders, our borders have created us to live a life without faith. Did you catch that? In Appalachian region, instead of living a life of faith without borders, we've created a life without faith inside of our borders. Our borders have caused us to live a life without faith. Does that make sense? So we need God to do great works. God's called us to do a great work. There requires a ton of resources, yet we're in, the, we're in the poorest region. We're like the 12 Hebrew spies that went to spy the promised land. Hey, it is marvelous. Woo, man, you look, these grapes are huge. This place is, this place is awesome. And they come back to Moses and say, Moses, everything is just like God said. It's unbelievable. It's wonderful. But you need to understand, we can never go there. Yeah, but God said we could. I don't care what God said. You don't understand who we are. We're like grasshoppers. Those people are giants. Those people are massive. Those people are mighty. Those people are awesome. We, we can never do anything. And so that whole generation never set foot in the promised land. Why? Because they didn't have the faith to believe they could. They didn't have faith to believe that God would move them in there. Does that make sense? And because many of us have grown up in that same world, of bondage in that same world, we don't believe we can ever overcome that. We could ever be a part of something great. Let me ask you a question. Is our God limited? Is the God that stepped out on the edge of nothing and said something and there was a universe limited? Do you think maybe your problem is the first problem that's just too big for God? Hey, sons, Holy Spirit, come here. Look at that one. Boy, that's too big for us. What do you think? No, I'm sure, Dad, we can't handle that. You think God's ever had that kind of meeting? 
No, but we're like those spies. We're grasshoppers. We can't ever do anything great. How about that $1.5 million offering in four weekends? Can we give that to God? Yeah, boy, did you hear that? I'm going to sound like Charlie Brown's teacher. Wah, 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 wah. Of course you can. Now, I've been praying, and the Lord spoke something else to me about this upcoming offer. Let me tell you what the Lord spoke to me. Many of the folks that go to Faith Promise have not yet asked me, God, what they should do in this offering. You haven't. Hadn't asked God. How does he know? Because God knows. Now, let me tell you, this is the deal. The reason that many people have not said, hey, what's my part? Because you think your part's too small. Well, it doesn't matter. We don't have any money. What can we do? We'll leave this to the rich people. I mean, you know, we're, we, our part doesn't really matter. What about the boy at the feeding of the 5,000 that had the happy meal, two sardines and five biscuits? What if he would have said, hey, my part's too small. 25,000 people, what will, what will my happy meal do? See, when you give God your happy meal and God breaks it, God multiplies it, he can feed 25,000 people with it, can he? And so, listen, your part matters. Are we a family? Are we a family? Everybody matters in the family. So we're praying for over 1,500 families to be a part of this offering in four weekends. That God has called us to this vision, this synergism, that as we walk down this road together, you're important. Your prayers are important. Your participation is important. Your faith is important. You believing God is going to do it. We together believing God is going to do it. It matters. And believing that God is going to expand our borders, that he's going to give us a faith without borders because we serve a God that is limitless. And God loves to expand our borders. We're almost entitled this series, Limitless. Let me read you a verse in 2 Chronicles where God expanded some borders, again, because God loves to expand borders. 2 Chronicles chapter 4, verse 9 says this. Now, Jabez was more honorable than his brothers, and his mother named him Jabez, saying, because I bore him in pain. Now, Jabez called upon the God of Israel, saying, this was his prayer, O Lord, that you would bless me indeed. Why, do we not, why are we afraid to ask God to bless us? Here's Jabez, God, that you would bless me. And then he asked God to do four things in the blessing. Number one, that you would enlarge my border, that your hand would be with me, that you would keep me from harm, and that it may not pain me. And all your blessings, it wouldn't bring me pain. And God did what? God granted him his request. That means God answered his prayer. God expanded his borders. God was with him. God protected him. God walked with him. Now, if God answered Jabez's prayer, can God answer yours? Are you sure? So let's link our faith. Let's believe God to do a great work. Let's believe God to bring the prodigals home. Let's believe God to restore marriages. Let's believe God to set the captives free. Let's believe God to give us financial miracles so that we can contribute in that free will offering. Let's believe that God is going to move and that God is going to show up and show out. Let's believe the blind will see and the deaf will hear. Let's believe the lame will walk. Let's believe what God did in the book of Acts. God can do today because our God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So we, so we bring a free will offering. I read this early in the year in my quiet time and, and just sort of marked it, said I'm going to come back and deal with that. God, when Moses and the children of Israel were in the desert, God said, I want you to build me a tent. Now, this was a high-tech tent. You've seen a nice camper? This tent was big time. This tent was worth billions of dollars. This tent housed the Ark of the Covenant. It was unbelievable. It was just one of the greatest things on the planet. And so, and so God gives Moses all the designs. I want you to go build this. Yet there was a problem. See, 
when, when Moses went and got the children of Israel out of Egypt, what had they been? Slaves for 400 years. Let me ask you a question. Do slaves make much money? No. Slaves don't get paid. They work for free. They get their sustenance. They get to live and eat. They don't get anything else. So for 400 years, they'd lived in, they lived in worse than the Appalachian region. They lived in abject poverty. They had no money. None of them, all of them were poor. They didn't own property. They weren't doctors or lawyers or bankers. They were business people or farmers. They were slaves. So now they're in the wilderness, and God said, I want you to build me this magnificent tent where my glory will dwell, where the people will come, and they will worship me. So take up a free will offering. Well, the people have been slaves. So where in the world were they going to get the money to build this place? God gave them the money to build this place. If you remember the story, God told Moses, hey, tell the people when you leave, ask all their neighbors for all their good stuff. All the gold, all the silver, all the jewels. And so as they were leaving, they all said, hey, by the way, how about some of your gold and jewels? And all the Egyptians gave their wealth to the Israelites as they left to go out into the wilderness. Now, they should have known right then God was going to provide. Because doesn't God always provide? See, he always does. So they start taking up an offering in verse chapter 35 of Exodus. And let me just give you some thought, just a thought out of this, and we'll just... Pick some random verses in verse 21. Everyone whose heart stirred him and everyone whose spirit moved came and brought the Lord's contribution for the work of the tent. Verse 22, and all those whose hearts moved. Verse 24, everyone who could make a contribution. Verse 26, all the women whose heart stirred. Verse 29, they all brought a free will offering to the, to the Lord and gave it to Moses. And so they're building a tent, and the workers come to Moses in chapter 36. It's one of my favorite verses. Look what it says in verse 5. Then they said to Moses, the people are bringing much more than what? Than what? Much more than enough. Much more than we need. I can't wait. Unless I can't wait to stand up here and say, hey, we don't need more money. And some of you are saying, dear God, could that happen? Well, it did right here. Moses said, hey, quit bringing it. And I believe there were some people that were bummed out because they had not yet given and they lost the opportunity to give. They said, oh, man, we missed it. Now, how did they get the money? God gave them the money. And have we last, our last free will offering, $1.2 million. The one before that, $1.1 million. Before that, a million. Before that, $500,000. We built the balcony, the first balcony we built. And how is it that, how does all that happen? How do we build Blount County cash, a million dollars? How do we do North Knoxville cash? How do we, how do we expand our, our, our campuses in Campbell County and in, and in Anderson County? How is it that we feel that we did the orphanages in Haiti or, or all the other mission work? How is it that we did all this? Because we brought a free will offering to the Lord and the God blessed it and God broke it and God multiplied it. See, and God's going to do that again, and God's going to create, help us live a life of faith without borders. Because we're going to break down the man-made borders, especially in the Appalachian region where we got all these man-made borders. I can't do it. I can never be. I can never do. I've been told all my life you'll never amount to anything, and that is a lie straight from the mouth of Lucifer. Why would you believe the lies of the devil over the living word of God? Does God answer prayers? Does God answer prayer? Then let's believe it every day this month, man. Pray for every weekend. Pray for God to move, for his power, his glory, his presence to show up and move. Let's don't be like the Acts chapter 12 crowd. This is the way we are. It's so us. I read this a couple weeks ago in my quiet time. I said, oh, I'm, I'm bringing this. I'm bringing this. So if you've got your Bible, turn there, click there, tap there, whatever device you have. 
in your hand that holds the Word of God. And I so miss the pages of Bibles turning in church. I really do. Now I hear the clicks of iPads and iPhones. I've got to learn that that's spiritual. It's hard for me. I'm, it's hard. In verse chapter, uh, let me start in verse 1 of Acts 12. Now at that time, Herod the king laid hands on some who belonged to the church in order to mistreat them. And he had James, the brother of John, put to death. Remember James and John? Lord, let one sit on your right hand, one sit on your left. They, they had James, the brother of John, put to death. They cut his head off. Verse 3. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. Now it was during the days of the unleavened bread. When he seized him, he put him in prison, delivering him to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out before the people. He's going to kill him. Now they are afraid of Peter. They put him in prison, they chain him, and they put four squads of soldiers to guard him inside the prison. Can I tell you something? The world ought to be afraid of us. The devil ought to be afraid of us because we have the power of God. We're the people of God. They ought to be afraid. They're terrified of what Peter can do. An uneducated, untrained fisherman from the banks of Podoc Holler, nowhere, nothing, nobody doing nothing, is impacting the globe, and they're terrified of him. So Peter was kept in the prison, but prayer was, uh, for him was being made fervently by the church of God. So where's Peter? Where's he at? He's in prison over here. The apostles, the great men of God are praying. The Bible says they're praying fervently, which fervently means to, to put your hands toward. They are seeking God. Oh, God, they're going to kill Peter tomorrow. They're going to cut his head off. Oh, God, would you release Peter? God, we need him. He's the leader. God set him free in there, man. They're all up in the house praying. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, they're sweating and slinging spit and walking and stomping. And, man, they're just begging God. Y'all know what I'm talking about? They're, I mean, they're just claiming it. They're believing it. They're just, man, they're wallering in it. You know what I'm talking about? That's what East Tennessee people, they waller in it. And then verse 6, on that very night when Herod was about to bring him forward and cut his head off, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers. See, they're afraid of him. Bound with two chains and guards in front of the door were watching over the prison. Behold, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared, and, and a light shone in his cell, and he struck Peter's side and woke him up, saying, Get up quickly, and his chains fell off. Hear me, church. God can unbind the people that are chained, and God can set the captives free. That's what he did. He's captive, and he set him free. And he said, the angel said to him, Gird yourself up, put on your sandals, and he did so. And he said, And wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And they went out and continued to follow. He did not know that what was being done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. When they had passed the first and the second guard, they came to the iron gate that leads into the city, which opened for them by itself. And they went out and went along one street, and immediately the angel departed from him. So there's Peter. He's sitting by the, and poof, the angel's gone. And Peter goes, What is that? What? And in verse 11, and Peter came to himself. And Peter realized, God's, they're cutting my head off tomorrow, and God just sent an angel and got me out of jail. I'm going to tell you, God can send his angel, and God can deliver you from wherever you're at. You are not in a place too hard for God. You are not in a problem that God can't fix. You are not in a hole that God can't get you out of. You do not have a need that God is not big enough to meet that need. Now I know for sure that the Lord has sent forth this angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all that the Jewish people were expecting. And when he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, who was called Mark. And many were there gathering together, and they were what? Praying. Now where was Peter? He's in prison. What are the people doing? What are they praying for? 
Peter to get out. Where's Peter at? He's at the front door. Check this out. This gets better and better. I love this. This is so us. I'm telling you, this is us. Uh, verse 13, and he knocked at the door of the gate, and a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer. When she recognized Peter's voice, behold, because, I mean, because of her joy, she did not open the gate, but ran and announced that Peter was standing at the front gate. In the Greek, she is the original airhead. <laughs> I'm pretty sure she had some blonde in there somewhere. Pretty sure. Listen, I, I know I'm in trouble. That's okay. Again, as usual, send all your ugly emails to Josh Whitehead at faithpromise.org. And so she runs in. What are they doing? They're praying, oh God, set Peter free. They've got their hands out toward the prison. They're praying, oh God, move, oh God, move. And Rhoda runs in and says, hey, y'all can stop praying. Petey boy's at the door. And they said, you're crazy. Oh God, set Peter free. He's at the door. You're crazy. Surely not. Oh, hey, these are the big dogs too, right? They saw the resurrected Lord. They saw the miracles. They saw the feeding of the 5,000 men. These are the guys that walked with Jesus the whole time. These are the guys who, these were the, the anchors. Man, the big hogs, the head of hogs at the trough. So she runs. She tells them, verse 15, and they said to her, you're out of your mind. Isn't that what the world tells us all the time? You believe that Jesus came out of the grave? You're out of your mind. You believe God can move? You're out of your ever-loving mind. What are you thinking? That's what they said. You're out of your mind. But she kept insisting, no, he's at the gate. But they said, it's his angel. We'll do anything to get away from believing by faith. It's his angel. Oh, God. Oh, God, set Peter free. What's Peter doing? He's knocking at the door. We hear that knock, but it can't be Peter. Oh, Lord, set Peter free. Four haired kills him. Hey, let me in. I can't be Peter. It's, it's somebody else. Oh, God, set Peter free. I'm out of here, boys. Would somebody open the door? It's cold out here. Oh, God, set Peter free. Can't be Peter at the gate. Oh, hey, I'm out of here. Let me in. Oh, God, set can't be Peter. Isn't that the way we do? Come on, church. That's how we act. Holy moly. Verse 16, and Peter kept knocking. <laughs> Peter kept knocking. It's, it's, you know what? Only the Bible. And Peter kept knocking. And when they opened the door, finally, somebody thought, well, let's check. <laughs> Dumb as a stick. And they opened the door. They saw him. They were amazed. They were amazed. Why is it we're amazed when God moves? But we are, aren't we? We're just amazed when God moves. At the end of this month, we'll be amazed again because we're going to give that $1.5 million. People are going to be healed. People are going to be saved. Deliverance is going to happen. Chains are going to fall off. Prodigals are coming home. Miracles are going to happen. People are going to get jobs. Folks are going to have financial miracles so they have the wherewithal to give. And God is going to move. And we're going to finish these four weeks, and we're going to be amazed. Hey, listen, let's let it grow our faith. Instead of moving away from faith, let's move to faith. Amen. Because, see, that's the will of God. I'm going to tell you, listen, I'm going to tell you, listen. Every day I take you before the Lord as your pastor. It's part of my job as a senior pastor to intercede for you every day. And I believe God's going to restore some marriages. And I believe that God is going to bless you. And I believe God's going to open up great doors for you. 
And I'm believing God is going to move in this congregation, and we're going to build one of the greatest churches since the day of Pentecost right here. God is going to build it through us. And some of you say, Chris, I believe it for other people, but I just can't believe it for me. Listen, do me a favor, borrow my faith. Borrow my faith. 32 years, he's never let me down. 32 years, he's provided everything we've ever needed. We've hit so many walls and so many places where there was no way around as a church. There was no way we could get it done. And God has always come through. Trust me, I know God can. And so believe it. Believe it and receive it. And then walk in that faith and watch what God does. And let's let the glory of God so light up these seven campuses that there'll be 14 campuses. So light them up that we really will make it hard to go to hell from East Tennessee. And before it's over, we'll have our Easter service in Neyland Stadium. And it will be packed for the glory of God. Come on. Now, some of you that are here, you don't know this God I'm talking about. You've never met him. You've been religious. You've been in church, but you've never been truly born again. And in just a minute, camp, campus pastors, if you guys will come on down, all of our campuses, campus pastors will just come on down. Just a minute, we're going to dismiss, and these people are going to be waiting here to pray with you. Or maybe you wanted to be prayed for during our time of prayer and you didn't come and you'll be able to come now or take the communication card in the seat back in front of you. I, you need to talk to someone about salvation or baptism. You need to talk to someone about a group or serving. Fill that out. Put it in the offering boxes. Or after the service, if you'll go to the, to the next steps area outside that's always manned after every uh, service by one of our pastors, one of our leaders, somebody will be there to help you. Man, listen, 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 listen. We're here for you. Not trying to psych you up to give. Not trying to psych you up. I just want you to believe the Bible. Take it from a poor, broken kid from the project. If God can take me from where I was and bring me where I am today, I'm nothing special. He can do that and much more for you. Believe it and receive it in the name of Jesus. So Holy Spirit, fall among your people. In this series, God, we believe that you're going to supernaturally move. And Lord, no credit go to Chris, no credit go to Faith Promise, no credit go to our staff, but all the glory, all the honor, all the praise, all the worship, all the accolades and adoration, all the magnificence, all the awe be laid at the altar, be laid at the throne of the Most High God. Father, change us as a church. Open our eyes to believe. Open our eyes to receive. And open our eyes to walk in victory. In Jesus' name we pray it. And we all believe it. And all God's people said, be blessed. We'll see you guys next weekend. Don't forget, we're praying for healing.